Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. everybody, Dr. Nick and Sonia here on Health Ignited and today we're going to be talking about some things again related to hormones but um, you know we live in a world right now that's definitely challenged in the realm of mental health and self-care and um, also there's a lot of fear and unknowns going on and uncertainty in the world. So we want to dive in a little bit more to discussing hormones in its relation to mental health and wellness. Yeah, there's so many layers to mental health. And I think this hormonal piece is really important to understand because sometimes we can feel off um, during a certain time of the month. And for men, they can feel off depending on what their external environment is providing. And I think it's important to understand the role that these hormones play because many people will get misdiagnosed with depression and with anxiety and not realize that there's this whole other hormonal piece that they might be missing in the puzzle. Yeah, I think too often we we label a symptom and then, you know, kind of go down that track of understanding and reality and make it everything. You know, we're, we're such complex creatures that, you know, we can be very, you know, volatile in our emotional system or, you know, we think different thoughts all the time. And then depending on the thought that we choose, we may start to label or, or create, you know, some self-discovery or a diagnosis around, you know, the thoughts we're thinking that generate these emotions. So why don't we, let's talk a little bit about that first, just, you know, the percolation of thoughts and then attaching um, a lot of weight to what those thoughts are telling us. Yeah. So I think first to um, discern the thoughts and where they're coming from is important to recognize, okay, who does this thought actually belong to? Was it something that was passed down? Is it a belief that's showing up because of social media or the culture that we're living in? And also recognizing the environment we're in in that moment. So I find pausing and questioning can really help discern um, why we're having a thought and also helps us recognize that we are not our thoughts, that we have, what is it, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And we don't have to attach to every single one. But what happens is that our limbic system gets involved, our emotions get involved. So now we've stamped a meaning to the thought. And then from that thought, we start creating a story around how we need to behave or the personality we need to create in order to serve that particular thought. Yeah. And that that's essentially where that emotion and that feeling starts to come in, which is a very visceral response. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as a result of being stuck in that thought process, which creates that, you know, emotionality, that's when we start to anchor into a belief system about ourselves. And so it's this, you know, I, I always, in my mind, I'm imagining sort of a wheel of reality show up where, you know, thought become becomes an initiating factor, which is definitely more of a, you know, a mental space. And then we start to have that, you know, it triggers that limbic response, which creates this whole cascade of neuropeptides and hormones that then starts to generate this feeling state, which anchors now into this the belief action. system, mm -hmm. which then drives into mm -hmm. action. You just described my cycle of trust. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, powerful mm -hmm. to know this about ourselves. Let's take an example, though, just to make it a little bit more real. Um, 
uh, let's we're in relationship. Sometimes I can perceive that I'm having a thought of it could be I don't know, uh, lack of empathy or maybe lack of like uh, from me. Yeah, yeah. I'm in a relationship. I'm mm -hmm. I'm just yeah. I, I'm not saying that I'm feeling that right now, but I'm just saying in a relationship you can experience a thought based on someone else's action. I think that also shows up first with the expectation. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have an expectation and then we have the thought around the expectation. Yeah. So we, we feel that our partner should be showing up a certain way. They should have, you know, they should have that whole word of should have behaved a certain way. And therefore, because I didn't get the response I was looking for, that's generating a thought, well, this person must, you know, is, is insulting me or something or whatever that story is, which then becomes the emotion, the belief system, the action. And so in a dialogue like that, um, and it could be something that we see on social media, maybe something your, your friend posts that, that irritates you. And, but the whole, the whole understanding of this sort of wheel of trust, as you said, mm -hmm. yeah, is that it's very linear. It's very like microscopic in, in, a, in a total vast reality of what could be going on, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of what absolutely is. So we're very quick to define that idea that then anchors in the mm -hmm. emotion. Yeah, putting our own angle on it. And maybe I should describe why I call it the cycle of trust. Um, I taught a workshop on self-trust and I find when we get stuck in this wheel of expectation and emotion and then that meaning and creating that identity and personality to kind of fit that whole cycle is that we slowly start losing trust in our um, intuition. We start losing trust in our own ability to discern information and to really know the situation for what it is. And the more we um, get trapped in this cycle, the easier it is to get stuck in that space. So in order for us to create that self-trust again, we have to pluck ourselves out of that wheel so that we can see the situation for what it actually is. And then from that space, when our intuition is telling us something, we can discern between emotion and intuition. And we don't have to get stuck in that emotional reactive space, but instead we're gonna be proactive with our intuition. Yeah, and so it's not really a surprise that people get stuck in this process, right? Um, and, you know, which would be, you know, let's let's take a traumatic event or what have you, or it could just be compounded trauma over time um, that then just constantly reinforces this this wheel of, I keep wanting to say wheel, but I think you said cycle, cycle. of trust. It's different than a wheel. Uh, it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, people can keep compounding this experience that then becomes a part of the reality where now they're having some pretty significant uh, physical feelings or, or mm -hmm. symptoms. You know, it could be obviously depression or anxiety. It could be uh, palpitations. It could feel, uh, you could feel very uncomfortable being around other people. And so you want to socially isolate a little bit more. Uh, maybe you're feeling insomnia or, or, or you're eating your emotions. And so you're experiencing some weight gain. Uh, eventually over time, your thyroid starts to get affected, your adrenal gland. So I mean, the whole idea is that, you know, things can stem from these, you know, and Sonia's I'm writing a book on trauma, um, on these little micro insults that happen over time that constantly reinforce this belief system that's being created by this very small version of reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's getting stuck in that fight or flight or that state of surviving. And we know that the amygdala in the limbic system is the, our guide when it comes to um, reactivity because it's looking for sounds and images and smells and understanding its environment so it can keep us on guard when we've had an experience of any sort of trauma, um, whatever level that trauma is. Um, there's actually a study that I just read this morning 
um, that they did in the early uh, 1990s. And <laughs> I'm laughing because that sounds so far away. And that's when we were growing up. Mm, so true. Um, so early 1990s, they did this study where they did MRI imaging of the, the brain and PET scans too to see um, how people that have been in a traumatic event before, how their brains would react and what parts of the brain are gonna get activated. So this is when they really started to connect uh, past trauma to present day reality. And so what they did is they created recordings of the, the trauma and played it while the individuals were in um, the scanner and they, had, um, they were measuring their blood pressure, their heart rate and their oxygen levels. So as they were replaying this uh, visualization or this audio, um, you know, of course, heart rate went up, blood pressure went up, that all the fight or flight stuff came back. But what they noticed in the brain scans is that, yes, the limbic system on the right side got activated, but also the, now I'm going to get the name wrong, Broca or the Boca speech Boca center, center yeah. that also got deactivated. Hmm. And then the visual center got activated. So it just kind of, it took those individuals right back to that moment. So any stimulus that's going to remind us of that trauma or that stress, and that could be as simple as having an argument with your partner. And then like, if depending on um, what that affected inside of you, like whether it was your self-worth or your self-esteem or just how you see yourself, you then carry that into your everyday in every interaction that you have. So now that story is playing in your mind and Physically, your brain is responding to that. And I just found that speech one really interesting because, you know, many people will say that in these moments when they're trying to express themselves, I know this is a reality for me. It's like you can't bring words into expressing your feelings. So then that center for those individuals really shuts down. So it just gives us more insight into like how powerful the brain is and how it's trying to adapt. So that in itself will then affect the, like Nick was saying, the neuropeptides and neurotransmitters that are being secreted and the hormones that are getting activated because now you're activating your stress hormones, decreasing your hormones like GABA or progesterone and these other ones that would otherwise keep you um, supported um, in a more calm, more centered state. Yeah. And so let, let's look at the reality of, again, conventional wisdom and and medicine in this experience for people is that obviously as a doctor, they're going to want their patient to feel better. And, and unfortunately that usually involves not dealing with actual trauma, the hurt, the pain, the limiting beliefs, the, the discomfort of the past. It's really just how do we make you feel a little bit better right now? And that's where prescription medications start to, to enter into someone's reality, right? It can start off as something as a, just an inability to cope with what's going on with the, this history of trauma. But then it becomes, you know, we, we see it in our patients all the time, like, five years, 10 years, 15 years, longer. And as we continuously neglect and avoid, not because we're bad people, but just because we didn't have the opportunity to understand this correlation, this connection to the past or to our hurt or to our limited scope of reality, we get stuck on this one and then the next one. And, and, and so let's talk about that journey. And then eventually, you know, because we mentioned neuropeptides, hormones as well, how does this tie into the hormonal system? Yeah, so 
as we know, when we're in our fight or flight, the hormones that are going to serve that experience are hormones like cortisol and um, adrenaline, so epinephrine, norepinephrine, which are all necessary in that moment. But sometimes we get stuck in that state. So in our last episode, we talked about you know that relationship between cortisol and progesterone. So progesterone for women being the hormone that actually helps us feel grounded um, is declining every time we're in that moment of stress. So it's getting converted into cortisol. And then progesterone and GABA, which is a neurotransmitter that's very inhibitory for our nervous system. So it's very relaxing, also will get will be declined because of that state of being in that um, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you know, with this chronic experience of stress and you know a maladapted relationship to you know our, our history of trauma we start to really show as coinciding declines in hormone function and, mm-hmm. you know, hormone issues. And so essentially, you know, uh, mental, emotional or mental health is directly related to your hormonal system. And so much of our, you know, conventional medicine, again, is geared towards dealing with the symptoms of the trauma instead of dealing with the underlying reason for why it's there. Um, but the impact is significant on the hormonal system. We know that, you know, long-term use of SSRIs and other antidepressant anxiolytic medication or uh, medication that help people sleep at nighttime, that starts to massively interfere with testosterone and progesterone or deep, you know, deep sleep states, theta brainwave, you know, the, the other brainwave frequencies like alpha that's, that are needed to, you know, just sort of coast through life with a little bit more ease and joy. Um, and so the, the impact of, of utilizing, you know, symptom-based therapies really starts to have a de- deleterious effect long-term on the, on our, on the rest of the body. Yeah. So it's just, um, we're not saying that these medications can't be used when they're really necessary, but I think we're trying to plant a seed and asking people to, um, question when things are showing up that is this the necessary step and just having a, a deeper understanding of like even our estrogen and testosterone, right? So we have tons of brain receptors in our brain for these hormones. Estrogen is like um, fertilizer for the brain. So it helps to increase more dendrites and increase more connections between neurons. And when that is deficient, like for example, when we're moving into menopause, many women will get misdiagnosed with depression, but all that's happening is your hormones are shifting. Your testosterone is lower, your estrogen is lower. So motivation is lower, your connections are lower. And that creates frustration and that creates that feeling of, um, you know, just that lack of motivation or energy. And then they get diagnosed with depression and put on antidepressants instead of really looking into the fact that it's just your hormones declining with situational stuff, with stressors, with, you know, life happening. So how can we help support those hormones and uh, create tools to manage the stress and deal with the the underlying heaviness of maybe some traumas and experiences that we're carrying so that we can create a better picture for mental health. Mm -hmm. And then this ties back into food too, right? Because as we you know, eat our feelings, unfortunately, um, you know, it's another way to manage the stressors we feel another way to manage the thoughts and the, the emotional uh, chronic chronicity to, to the symptoms is we do with food. And so mm-hmm. we'll, you know, I mean, this, this past year has been a perfect example of many people going off of their routine, most in part, because, you know, there's this containment aspect, things are closed. 
but there's also this reality of, of you know, insulin dominance, insulin resistance, pre-diabetes states, which have a huge effect on estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, uh, the neurotransmitters of the brain, serotonin. I mean, it's essentially putting us into an inflamed state where then our brain is just not going to work as well. We're going to make more <clears throat> decisions that serve that underlying inflammatory process that's there. Uh, so it's, it's looking at the whole picture, really, of, of how our food or how our choices are being influenced because of under, underlying thoughts and the trauma and all that stuff. Um, and then it's the reality of, you know, just trying to distract ourselves or suppress, you know, these, these feelings that we're feeling. So then maybe you can explain the cycle between the choices we're making with food and what it's doing to our um, gut health and then how that's going to influence mental health. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to understand more and more that our food choices or lack of diversity in the food choices that we make really make certain microbes really proliferate. And, and some, like there's the firmicutes, there, there's the proteobacteria, there's some that when they start to really escalate, they really start to change our brain physiology. They change the epigenetic signaling in, in, our, in our genes and our gut propagate this inflammatory state. And really this is, you know, high sugar diets, high fructose corn syrup, there's fried foods, the quick and easy and convenient foods that we're neglecting by not making our own food. And we start to get these overgrowths of these certain microbes that really have a massive, that we're learning what now, uh, have a massive influence on our choices, our behavior, the neuropeptides that, that get circulating to our brain. And so that inflammatory state then also supports you know, this, uh, our thyroid starts to having to, to make more reverse T3. That's, I mean, it's a whole nother topic, but we have, we, through our hormonal system, have to find ways to manage the inflammation instead of being in more of a reproductive state or a growth state uh, or a repair state. We're getting more stuck into this managing inflammation state, which has, a, again, another detrimental effect on our ability to be more resilient or make better, make better decisions. Mm -hmm. So you talked about GABA and that connection with progesterone. So the neurotransmitter that's connected with gut health is serotonin. So serotonin being produced in our gut when the gut's inflamed, like Nick was referring to, it's harder for the serotonin to actually serve the brain because it needs to stay in the gut in order to manage that inflammation so that um, tryptophan serotonin effect that, you know, puts that ease into our system and into our minds really gets shifted because of that lack of, um, neurotransmitter. Yeah. And, and specifically, I mean, there's a test that we often do organic acid tests, which looks at the, the downstream production of something called quinolinic acid, which is basically uh, the end product of serotonin when our gut, gut is inflamed. So there's, there's tools where you can actually see this ratio of serotonin to quinolinic acid as a result of this chronicity to, to gut inflammation. And again, this all plays back uh, to brain health and mood and mental health and everything else. So um, it's never just one thing, obviously, right? It's not just mm -hmm. about, you know, <clears throat> addressing the underlying trauma, but it's also making better choices with our food and exercise and movement, and breath, and obviously being in community. There's, there's a whole lot of support there. Yeah. So like we said in the beginning, there's lots of layers to it. So this episode wasn't created to overwhelm your mind about all the different things you have to look at, but instead um, planting seeds to question 
right? So when you're having that thought, questioning that thought, is this mine? Is this, where does, where does this thought come from? Okay, so now that this feeling is there and I'm putting this meaning onto this experience, what tools do I have to help support that experience so that it's not one that takes over my entire being? And then investigating, what are my hormones doing? Where are they? Are they declining? Are they serving me the way they should? What can I do to support it? What herbs can I take? What nutritional changes can I make? What dietary changes and movement that are gonna help support that estrogen, progesterone and testosterone? And then looking at um, amino acid therapy or neurotransmitter therapy so that you can really support that GABA or that serotonin to help support your entire system. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing too is that, you know, when, when we have had an experience and then we really anchor into that, that limiting belief or that, that, you know, the actionable reality based on that, it becomes a part of our daily routine, mm -hmm. right? And so how do we also create pattern disruption? You know, do did, did we, did we hydrate today? You know, do we exercise? Do we get outside? Do we have a good bowel movement? Do we connect with somebody? You know, did, I mean, throw in some other ones. Do we have a cold shower and shake things up? You know, there's, there's a lot of things that I think that we can do a breath work, meditation, yoga, of course, where we can start to reconnect to a, a different state of reality because some of, some of the time, and again, it's different for everybody. And again, how deep the, these wounds are, the, these pains are. But for a lot of us, when we start to realize we can self-regulate by making really you know, appropriate decisions where we can expand the lens of our consciousness and not get so microscopic about a belief state, you know, and that's, that's why Sonia and I do yoga. That's why we meditate. That's why we do breath work. That's why we spend time doing ceremony and, and getting outside. And it's for all these reasons to, to experience different states of consciousness, which we all have access to. It's not just us, or it's not just someone who does yoga. There's, there's a plethora of different ways to get into these different brain states. I mean, BrainTap, one of the, mm -hmm. one of our uh, biohacking tools or the Ajna light, even just taking a sauna, these are all pattern disruptions that, that, you know, increase this, um, this lens of how we're looking at life through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would encourage all of you that are listening to just start noticing, right? Just start noticing your responses to triggers in your environment or just noticing what your body is doing in that moment. Like, is your heart rate increasing? Is your, um, your, oh, I'm losing my words here. Your palms getting sweaty. <laughs> your palms getting sweaty. Are you um, grasping, gasping for air, right? All these uh, fight or flight kind of responses. Is your body automatically going into that state? And maybe you're not showing that externally, but your internal environment is kind of revving up. So what can you do in those moments to disrupt that pattern? And by, yes, creating that routine, of committing to something every day that's going to help you feel what it feels like to not be in that survival state which you know many of us are just used to being in so creating that routine and then also what can you do in that moment maybe you can ask yourself a question maybe you have a band around your wrist that you snap or something or maybe you take a walk or you have a word that kind of um breaks that pattern and brings you out of it maybe you're practicing eft emotional freedom technique and you're starting to tap at those um, points at that time. So creating some sort of awareness in that moment. So then after that experience, those moments are um, over, you can then start to investigate. Yeah, because I mean, how empowering is that? When you, when yeah. you start to recognize that you've got some control over your physiology, your mm -hmm. physiology is doing something instead of, again, reacting to it, which is what our old patterning would have been doing, you know, the fight or flight engagement, 
what if we can just go, wow, this is really intense what I'm feeling right now. It doesn't necessarily feel good or it feels heavy in my body. Like, where are you feeling it? Um, you know, that, like you mentioned, the, the heart racing, the sweaty palms or whatever it is, but can we just be with this feeling and observe it? And I think, you know, when we start to learn the capacity to be able to sit with something and then have tools to disrupt that patterning that's there, um, it's, it's extremely empowering. Yeah. Yes. She's giving me the nod because I think she's ready to, to end this conversation. Yeah, it was a good conversation. <laughs> Give them lots to think about. Yeah. Don't overwhelm the mind. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, I mean, we, yeah. So Sonia said, we just want to have a quick little one on, you know, some lifestyle tools, some, some awarenesses to bring some awareness into, into the mind, into our routine to get a little bit more um, anchored into pattern disruption and to recognize this, this cycle of trust, as Sonia mentioned, and, uh, and you know, start to see what you can start to implement in your life and to, to move through these uncomfortable times uh, with a little bit more ease. Yeah, and as you start to get to know your hormones a little bit more as you're listening to these podcasts, maybe if you journal, when you're journaling, you can really start recognizing like, oh yeah, okay, my progesterone is affected right now. So therefore my GABA is affected. Maybe having a little bit of GABA in the last two weeks of my cycle will help support my mental health. Slowly you'll start to recognize your own patterns. And that's really the goal here is to educate you enough that you're going to be able to make those decisions for yourself when you're in that experience. Well said. Hey guys, we'll see you on the next uh, recording. And that's all for now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.